Okay. Why, why are we here this morning? What do I want you to know? What do I want you to, to come away with this morning? And um, the main point that I want you to know today is that this is important. Okay? What we're doing this morning, coming together as men to worship, to fellowship, to listen, to talk, to pray together, it's important. It's really important. And with that in mind, what we're going to do this year at these men's breakfasts is be intentional. We realize this is important, so let's, let's be intentional. And we're going to bring in different speakers and do different things, but the intentional part of this is that we're trying to build foundations. Strong foundations about what it means to be a godly man. This is important, okay? It's important. The thought, the thing that we try to do when you think of a foundation, it's at the bottom of the building. It's underneath the building. And so when we come together and as we're praying together and talking together and joking, let's think about what's underneath. What is our foundation? What have we built ourselves upon? And that's going to be our focus this year because when our foundations start to crack or to fall apart, when Satan attacks us, He's going to attack us at the bottom. He's going to attack our foundations, and he, He's going to want us to fall. And so, what we're going to look at is, is, is over the course of a year, what, what are the foundations of being a godly husband, or a godly father, or grandfather, a godly businessman, a godly community servant? What does it mean to be a Christian in all of these contexts, and to serve our wives, and our children, and our neighborhoods, and our businesses? What do we need to do that well? What do we need to do that as God has called us to do that? And so this is important. It's really important. The Apostle Paul thought it was important. He wrote a letter to a church in a city called Corinth. It was in Greece. If you have your Bibles, um, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is, this is kind of a strange end of his letter because he writes this whole letter and he, he, he goes all over the map in this letter. I mean, it's a really amazing work and, and the different things he's hitting on. And so here at the end of his letter, he's basically saying goodbye. And he's, he's telling them his traveling plans and, and who they can expect to see and who is on the way in Corinth. But, but here in, in the middle of chapter 16, he slips into this sentence. And this is, this is my translation. We're going to talk about why it might be different in yours. But he says this. Um, he's talking about Apollos. Apollos will, in verse 12, um, I strongly urge this man named Apollos to visit, you the, to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come. He will come when he has the opportunity. So he's talking about Apollos. And he says this. Now I, uh, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, but all that you do be done in love. Then he goes on. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus, and this is more sort of business stuff. So you have business and business, and right in the middle is this, is this sentence. Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. 
Let all that you do be done in love. Act like men. It just kind of jumps, jumps off the page of me. What, is, what does that mean? I mean? What a strange thing to say. Paul was speaking to a group that was facing persecution. They were facing division. They were, they were fighting with each other, not to mention the world around them. And, and this is one of the last things he says. Act like men. Well, this letter would have been written to a wide audience, not just men. Women would have been hearing this, and I'm not sure what they would have been thinking, but if, if you went home and told your wife she needed to act like a man, I imagine that might not go over so well, or you might not want that, frankly. Um, so what does it mean? Well, it's generally considered to be a figure of speech. This word occurs only one time in the New Testament. It's, it's one word... I actually think Paul probably made it up um, that he took the word for man and he turned it into a verb that means act like a man. And so it's it's a figure of speech to to be strong and and to be courageous. They're all synonyms there. So, you know, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Maybe he could have said be courageous, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And, And what is implied there, though, is there's something about manhood Something about being men that goes with being strong and courageous. There's just something there that you could turn the word man into a synonym for courage or strength. That's going to be foundational to our lives as as men. But the interesting thing, you know, I see y'all sitting there, you're like, yeah, strong, courageous, I can do that. I can pretend to do that. Um, But then the next thing he says is, everything you do, let it be done in love. And y'all might be thinking, well, that sounds like a sissy thing to do. Love? Um, Maybe he just threw it in there for the women who were offended that he told them to act like men. Um, But the fact of the matter is, it's in the Bible. And so there's something connected, again, we see between strength and courage and manhood and love. And doing it in love. And Paul, in this same letter, has a lot to say about love. I'm sure you've heard it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy or boast. Almost every wedding you go to, they'll read that chapter. And here, here's the deal. Paul, when he talks about love, he's talking to a church... It has some pretty amazing gifts. This church in Corinthians, they, they could speak in tongues, for instance. They could prophecy. They could, God could give them a, a vision of something that was to come. Things that, that, that are really, frankly, just amazing. And he's speaking to this church that I'm sure had gifts that maybe even we're more comfortable with, like leadership and wisdom. Gifts like that. Gifts that we, maybe we want and desire, maybe we even have. And in all of those, Paul is saying, those are great, those are gifts from God, but at the end of the day, you need to pursue love. Love is the greatest gift. And so when we talk about manhood, we're talking about strength and courage, all in the context of love. And we have to, we have to put these things together somehow. And so with that, I'd like to take a minute to consider how we're doing. How are we doing as a society being men, being 
strong and courageous and leaders and, and, and also being loving and doing things in love. And So here's some statistics. First of all, these are just kind of churchy statistics. I don't know if they mean anything or not, but they're interesting. 36% of men go to church. 36%. That's not a lot. I, again, I don't know what that means. It's, it's, it's just a statistic, but 36 go to church. 13% attend some sort of adult discipleship formation, something like a men's breakfast. 13%. 18% volunteer at church. 39%, this is huge to me. This is the most important. 39% of all men are what, what we call unchurched or don't know Jesus, basically. 39%. That's a big number. But those are just statistics. How about some stories? Of, of These are just stories of particular people, but they could be, you know, maybe you identify with some of them. I'm sure plenty of people do. And, and this, is, this is what is accounting for manly behavior these days. This was in the New York Times. Alan Begaroe has stopped looking for work. Laid off as a steel worker at 48... He taught math for a while at a community college. But when that ended, he could not find a job that, in his view, was neither demeaning nor underpaid. So he doesn't have a job, but he's got some standards. So instead of heading to work, Mr. Begaro, now 53, five years later, fills his day with diversions, playing the piano, reading histories and biographies, writing unpublished Western potboilers in the Louis L'Amour style, if you all know what that means. These were all activities once relegated to spare time. He often says he stays up late and sleeps until 11 a.m. This is a quote. I've come to realize that my free time is worth a lot to me, he said. To make ends meet, he has tapped the equity in his home through a $30,000 second mortgage. He is drawing down the family savings at the rate of $7,500 a year. About $60,000 is left. His his wife's income helps them scrape by. Another quote. If things really get tight, I might have to take a low-wage job. But I don't want to do that. Strong, courageous, act like a man, or depend on your wife to work and draw down your savings. You know, this, this is happening. This is a story, but, but it's happening in our culture. There are problems with manhood. How about this? of men look at pornography on their computer. 72%. I guarantee you that that is a problem in this room. I guarantee it. One wife said this about her 38-year-old husband. He would come home from work, slide food around his plate during dinner, play for maybe half an hour with the kids, then go into his home office shut the door, and surf internet porn for hours. I knew 
and he knew that I knew. Stories of, of, of failed manhood. Well, we've all been there. We've all been there. How about Herman Cain? Okay, he's running for president, and all of a sudden, woman after woman after woman is accusing him of, of sexual infidelity. There, it's, still, it's all accusations, but, but something broke down there. Something is not, whether he did it or not, something fell apart. Or, or Mark Sanford. Mark Sanford, this man had it all. Governor of South Carolina, potential vice presidential candidate. But when, when the storm came, when things were troubling him, you know, his, his foundation was a little shaky. And he found sexual fulfillment outside of his marriage. But even beyond that, think about the cultural presentation of men. Think about your television. Who have you seen on your television? Homer Simpson? Everybody loves Raymond? These are funny, okay? They're funny. They're fun to watch and you get a good laugh. But imagine, just imagine, and think about, would this be okay if Marge Simpson acted like Homer and Homer acted like Marge? Would that be acceptable? If the woman was the doofus always messing up and the man was always coming in here to save her, would that be okay? No. But it's it's so put forward in our culture that that we start to accept it. And, and So even on Sunday morning, I'm giving an announcement about the men's breakfast, and I make a joke about men not listening to announcements, so the women need to tell them. <laughs> now that might be true. I don't know. It works. Yes, it works. It seemed to work. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ellen wasn't there. <laughs> um, so we can laugh about it, but but it just kind of seeps in you, and you it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You start to accept it, you know. Oh, I can act like Homer Simpson, and I'm this lovable doofus, and that's okay. But that's not okay. That's not strong or courageous or, or loving. And and I say these things not to be uh, not to be judgmental, or not to judge, but but to put them on the table. You know, let's just put them out there, okay? Because here's the deal: it's easy to look at Mark Sanford and say, "Man, he really screwed up." But it's hard to look at Mark Sanford and say, "You know, I am just this close to falling down that same hill, to going down that same path." What's the old saying? There, but for the grace of God, I go. You know, it's, it's a fine line. And, and we could, each one of us, be there tomorrow if our foundations are wearing away. What I want to do now is just pause for just a second and, and keep all of that in your minds. Um, but... I want to get us talking. You know, I want us to talk to each other. And so, break. Well, you don't really have to break up even, but you know, there's about three rows on each side of the table. 
get the three guys, three guys, and just look at them and just talk and ask yourselves these questions. Um, what are some of the blessings in your life, or what are some of the things that you love about being a man? Okay? There's something positive, something you enjoy. This, this isn't all about being negative, but there's something you enjoy about being a man. Um, and also ask yourselves, what are some of the challenges to being a man? What are some of the things that, that, that we run up against day in and day out? Um, so y'all do that. Talk now and then, I don't know, just about five minutes or less, and then I want to hear your responses. I'm not going to call on everybody, but I just want to be able to throw them out. So y'all have about five minutes.
wrap it up when y'all get a chance. what y'all came up with. What are some of the blessings? Some of the good things about being a man? Bill? Well, we decided that uh, the sexes are not equal. They're different. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Horror is very Quality might come as a shot. But we are stronger. We are taller. Uh, we are task-oriented and women are tend to be process-oriented or relationship-oriented. So quite often we end up being in charge. And we like that. That's good. So when we're not in charge, there might be something wrong with that picture. Hmm. Now, a clever woman, of course, will let us think we're in charge. <laughs> right. That's more often the case, though. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. What else What else do y'all come up with? Well, I think what we as men have evolved from when we were young to when we're now, I won't say old, but older. <laughs> Wiser. <laughs> as, as, as young men, both of us were very, very strong hmm. willed, and we ran the roost. And, and as far as our wife was concerned, and as far as our uh, children were concerned. But as over the years, how we have become, I know with me, we've become a partnership, which we weren't when we started. Right. We were, uh, we were a uh, semi-benign dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> how that's changed, and how our relationships with each other and our relationships with our children have changed over the years. And roles not reversed, but blended together. Right. So the blessing to see God working and, and bringing you and your wife together as a, you know, as a Unit, I guess, working as, as husband and wife and your children. That's really that's a great one, Cal. What else you got? Blessings for me. Yeah, well, we decided one of the things we liked about being a man was that we weren't women. And the biggest challenge is for women. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Seriously, it was uh, it was uh, trying to reconcile where our true feelings were with what we project to others. And getting honest with that, and and uh, trusting in God as spiritual leaders in our, in our homes. Uh, a lot of times, uh, we face the challenging with, with parenting that uh, we we want to uh, take control of our children and yeah. not trusting God, and uh, just getting honest with ourselves because society has uh, taught us that we have to unlock, unlearn a lot of things that we. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Children. Absolutely. That society expects from them that are not necessarily healthy. Thanks, Fleming. Any other blessings? Blessing. Uh, my, my blessings have come from mentors. Men, mm. Mentors through life. When things have gone astray, men that have come into my life that have put me in the right direction when I found Jesus. That's, um, that's great. So it, for me, it's being a mentor even now to my children, my grandchildren, uh, 
And that's advice I can give everyone, I would say, is men. You don't find women mentors. Mm. I haven't had a woman mentor in my life. <laughs> I've had a tall mentor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Recording this, <laughs> I'll make sure that one gets edited out. <laughs> oh, but what a great point! Um, the blessing to be able to come under somebody as a mentor, and the blessing to mentor somebody else—that's um, that's a really neat thing. I'll add, I'll add one blessing. I, Lucia, my my five-year-old daughter came up to me the other day and she said, Daddy, we learned about Martin Luther King Jr. in school today. I said, oh, that's great. And she said, she came up really close and gave me a hug and she smiled at me and she said, he was a preacher just like you are, Daddy. Um, and I melted right there. I was like, whatever you want, you can have it. <laughs> but but the, the love of a child is... Um, an amazing blessing in my life that we get as fathers. It's really wonderful. How about a few challenges? Fleming's listed us a few that I think are very important. Anybody else had any challenges that came to mind? Yes. Yeah. hit on some big ones and, and uh, the ones I flagged were your pornography obviously is a um, major challenge. You can't even turn on your computer without being tempted. Oh, click here. Um, the workplace, you know, that's a hard... That's a, I remember when I was um, before seminary, it was, you know, you'd be a faithful Christian at church and at home. Uh, something about entering that workplace door, you know, it just kind of snaps something. It, it, it changes and it's hard to you know, you got F this, F that, and, and, you know, it goes in and it's easy to come out. And, and that's, that's a challenge. That's hard. Um, any, any other? One more person. You got any more challenges? Let's see. Jennings, we're going to go. We're gonna go well, we can do both of y'all. Jennings, you go first. Uh, when we were talking about 
basically the challenge and the benefit was kind of the same was, you know, that all the pressure and, and life of taking care of your family and bills and all that, you know, falls on you handling that. That was a challenge, but it was also a benefit mm -hmm. that, you know, you're controlling your destiny and, and you're um, making it happen. And that's something that you can be proud of and that I enjoy as yep. part of me. Yeah, so with great responsibility comes great challenge and great pressure. Absolutely. We were talking here. Uh, I have a, a personal challenge. You're talking about the man, the father. I uh, lost my wife last year. Mm. And I have three 40 ish daughters. Wow. And I have become not only the father, but the mother. Wow. She used to share with them. And so now that's the real challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is that's an amazing challenge, and um, sounds like you're stepping up to the plate. That's great. That's really let's bless you for that. Well, um, we're going to talk about challenges some more. You know, I, I hope y'all can keep coming back. Um, if any of these has rung a bell with you today, um, you can talk to me about it. You can talk to Mike. Um, any man in this room, I'm sure, would be glad to talk to you about it. But, but if it's really bringing you down, don't wait until we get to it. Let's, let's talk about it now. Let's deal with it now, okay? So pray through that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move ahead quickly. Just with one more illustration about foundations. Matthew chapter 7. Um, you know, you, probably most of you, may not all of you, most of you have heard the song, A Wise Man builds his house upon a rock. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. That's, that's from the Bible, believe it or not. Um, and it was a parable that Jesus said. You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and, and when the rains came and the winds came, his house was, was, was fine. Foolish man built it upon the sand. If you've been to the beach, you know what happens when the waves come. When the rain comes, the house collapses. I used to be, I mentioned my previous life, my previous job. I was a structural engineer in downtown Charleston. We did a lot of historic preservation. And we were working on one particular church building that was having major settlement problems. Now imagine this, if you will. This, hundreds of years ago, this church was built. The people who designed it... Okay, so the people who designed the, the layout and, and how big it would be and how many bricks it would hold the, to build it, the people who designed it were also the people that laid the bricks. And they were also the people that made the bricks. So it would be to their advantage to design a church that was really heavy so they could use a lot of their bricks. Now that might not be fair, but, but, but it's, it's kind of funny to think about that. So this church, you know, its tower... At his base, well, the walls are like five feet thick. And this is huge, and it goes all the way up. And so there's, there's a tower, and there's a back part of the church, and they're building this church. And it was going to be the tallest steeple in Charleston was the intent. Well, they got about halfway, you know, two-thirds of the way up the steeple. And you know what happened? It, it, it cracked. The bottom, the, the front part of the church sank, Probably about a foot. I mean, it just it just sank. And there's in the attic, you can see this crack, like right in the middle of the church, like it was just falling apart. And you you dig down a little bit at the tower, and and, and you get to the foundation, and there 
there isn't one. These walls go down maybe a foot, maybe two feet, and they just stop. And in Charleston, it's not like Somerville. In Charleston, you're it's like it's building a house on pluff mud, basically, is what you're doing. And so you need a, you need a foundation. And I think y'all are getting the point now. Is is we can build these towers, we can build these amazing lives, these amazing jobs, these amazing wives, these amazing children. We could be philanthropists, community servants. We could be a pillar of the church. But if our foundation is only a foot deep, it might all come crashing down. It could be something dramatic. Maybe the big storm comes. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's a marital problem. And it could come crashing down dramatically. We've, we've seen that. That stuff, the TV loves that stuff. Or it could be like this church. And while you're building, it just starts cracking and cracking. And before you know it, you can't fix it. So my um, hope for you all is that you would heed Paul's words in Corinthians. Be a man. Be strong and courageous. Do everything in love. Be a man. And work on those foundations. Let's work on them together. You can't do it alone. Come to these men's breakfasts. But if you don't, if you don't come back, 